and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, I'm joined by contract rearer Kieran Keelty from County Sligo to discuss how he operates a contract heifer rearing system. I first asked Kieran to tell me about his farming system. So we're um, contract rearing dairy replacement heifers uh, in South Sligo on uh, what I would class as a heavy farm in, in, in a high rainfall area. Uh, we're running off approximately 20 hectares at uh, part-time uh, with my wife Sandy and we have two children, uh, Samuel 11 and Arwen 9. Um, I'd say I would class it as a, a simple system, not not always easy, but uh, try to keep the system as, as simple as possible. So as I said, we're running about 65 heifers uh, Jersey cross heifers that typically come to us in uh, September. And why did you decide to go contract rearing, Kieran? We were milking cows up until um, 2012, and then we were sort of we were milking, albeit a small number of cows. It, it was profitable, but at the time the children were younger, and with working off farm, it was just becoming harder and harder to maintain a, I suppose, the balance, uh, the work-life balance. Um, so we discussed the different options at the time and we talked about the beef and suckling and stuff like that. But given the, the sort of soil type and the labour requirements, we kind of stuck where we, we landed on uh, contract rearing, which was, I suppose, a relatively new concept at the time. So we kind of we thought it would suit uh, where we were and that we were kind of used to paddocks and stuff like that from from milking and also used to a of a dairy animal so um uh i was approached by a dairy farmer to consider what i take uh some of his heifers and it sort of grew from there and how have you developed the system over the past number of years um yeah i guess um we were fortunate that some land came up alongside us so we were able to buy some additional acres um and also which kind of luckily enough coincided with the expansion of the, the dairy farmer as well. So we started initially with um, 24 heifers coming over and we're up to uh, 65 the last number of years. Um, so I suppose from the point of view of progression, we receded some of the ground that we've uh, that we took in and just continuing to adapt, I suppose, when we were in the, the growth phase, we were always had to make more silage or you had to allow for different things. You couldn't set your your silage requirements or meal requirements any given year due to the growing numbers, but it's set in the last few years, couple of years. So I guess the, the system is more uh, consistent, I guess. And with the 65 heifers that you're taking in from the dairy farm, can you talk me through what happens from when you take in the heifers until they leave your farm again? Of course, yeah. So... Typically, they come in in uh, September. Um, these would be February-born uh, Jersey cross calves. So they'd come in in September, six to eight months old. Um, and they're on grass then. Uh, no meal, they're on grass until we class it here. Anything after the 31st of October is, is a bonus here. So typically, they're on grass at that point. And then they're they're turned into uh, winter housing. They're lying on, on slats. So they're typically batched into four sections based on their weight. And that then will determine if they need to get uh, meal or not. So if they're if they're under target or we have a light batch, 
um, they will get meal. Um, typically, the other batches don't get meal, uh, just depending on the silage quality. So they're housed then, uh, usually, again, depending on the year, but uh, we try best endeavours to get out at any time from the end of February, March onwards. Um, they're weighed again before they go out. Uh, the herd test takes place when they're in the shed and the vaccination programs take uh, take place in January, the BVD and Lepto. So that's that uh, labour side of things is done whilst they're in the shed. Uh, once they're turned out to grass, there, there's no more meal in the, the diet. Um, and it's typically the in spring, try to graze off this, the silage ground um, if we can at all. Um, and then it's all about getting ready for uh, breeding uh, typically around the, the first week of May. So, and that's that's the important season. Um, so we put on scratch cards at the beginning of uh, breeding season, um, the day before we start breeding. And usually we uh, watch for the first uh, eight days and serve naturally. And I think that doesn't uh, call at that period the end of that period, we uh, get the two mil of, of prostaglandin and typically everything is, is picked up within 12 to, to 14 days, at which point uh, a team of bulls come in uh, to mop up for maybe 10 weeks. Um, so that's sort of the busy period um, in terms of getting them in calf. So usually then you're just running a rotational grazing over the over the summer and the, again, dosing or uh, dosing is required and typically then they go back to the farmer in September the same day as the wanelings come over as well just to emphasize we don't take the calves they're coming over as wanelings so the day the in-calf heifers go back the wanelings land uh, usually we scan around the first uh, week of September to see how the how the results went. So for the year that you have them from September to September what targets do you have to meet yeah, so for us, it's predominantly, so this is our ninth season at it. Um, so we have a we have a good relationship established and, and a fair idea of the, the rhythm. Um, for the, I think the key point is it's all about the weight. And if you can have the heifers at the, the target weight, which for us is uh, 300 kilos at the beginning of May, um, that takes a lot uh, of the, the work out of it in terms of there's a, there's a good chance that they're they're cycle, cycling naturally and they're they're in good condition at breeding. Um, so we weigh, as I said, maybe two or three times during the year to align for that. But that's pretty much the the main target that we have. Um, again, depending on your there's different contracts out there now where you can have bonuses for specific uh, conception rates and stuff like that. That's not in our system. Um, so for us, I suppose, uh, in terms with the for the with the farmer, it's to have them at the correct weight at breeding time. From our own perspective, then internally, it's about getting as much grass into the diet as as, as possible. Um, as we know, it's 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 three times cheaper than silage and five times cheaper than meal. So that's I suppose internally the target uh, we have um, from our side. And you mentioned that some of the Weenlands won't be getting meal over the winter. So I imagine silage quality is very important over the winter period. Yeah, um, and I suppose we've realised that more as, as, uh, as time has gone on. 
um, the value of uh, of good silage. So again, early on, we were probably the first couple of years we we fed meal to every animal, sort of regardless of their um, regardless of their weight. I thought we were we were finding our feet as well as trying to ensure that they weren't uh, behind going out. But um, over the last few years, we've uh, dramatically reduced um, our meal bill. Um, we've we've over over halved it in the space of twelve months, uh, due to uh, silage. Uh, quality and I guess uh, trusting the, the the results so taking the samples of uh, the different uh, it's all bale silage you do taking the samples and working from that so that made the decision uh, that makes the decision a lot easier in terms of whether to feed meal or not I guess. You mentioned there the importance of the maximizing grass in the diet how have you improved grass quality and maximized grass in the diet over the past nine years? Yeah, it's an ongoing uh, process um, with, with, with heavy soils. So I suppose um, the, the farm is kind of naturally set up in, in two acre paddocks. So typically, as I said, we try and get them out the beginning of, of March and rotational grazing. So usually they're only in a paddock one to two days and they're moved on. So it's trying to get the clean outs early. And um, the rotation planner then, depending on the, the time of year, we try we try and stick to that. Um, to a certain extent, we try and avoid um, uh, surplus purely just because of scale. So it can be hard to get um, to expect your contractor to come in to pick up a few bales um, given the scale. So we try and, and avoid that and let it bulk up if there's surplus to be taken, take out at the time we're taking um, bales. So I, I guess in spring, in terms of trying to get grass into them, yes, there's a certain amount of uh, on-off grazing. Um, typically there's there's wires running everywhere in front and behind them it can be trickier it's one aspect that can be trickier with um with with heifers insofar as uh, guys that are milking they can bring them in for an hour or two beforehand milking give them some meal uh, in the or give them a, give them some meal in the parlor I should say or give them some silage at the barrier it, it's it's more difficult with with heifers typically when they're out they're out um and you also have to be conscious that they, they love to walk uh fields and that so in in, in wet conditions uh, here any year they're, they're either in or out um it's harder to maintain the, the the on off grazing with with heifers so i suppose from that perspective we're trying to to get them out as early as we can within reason um but it's not out of question where they could be out for a few days and then back pull back in again and similar in the in the the shoulder the back end of the year so from september on again you're watching ground conditions and you're trying to manage that they're in the drier uh, covers for the for the wetter periods, which isn't always easy, but we try. Kieran, what is the split of costs between you and the dairy farmer? Yeah, and I guess I suppose it's different for depending on your contract. But for us, uh, on our side, we pay for uh, the dosing and the silage, the the herd test, um, any typical uh, vet call out, and scanning. The meal bill is is halved, so the dairy farmer pays for half the meal, and we pay for the for the other half. Um, that was, I guess, the only piece that we had to discuss initially to trash out to understand. The dairy farmer pays for all vaccines and AI then as well. So it's all very much contract specific. Yes, exactly, and there are variations depending on price you're you're getting and uh, what's involved. Some. Uh, farmers, dairy farmers pay for everything and then the daily rate is less so it, it all depends and there are lots of different um, as I said options out there now again for people that are taking in calves there's different costs and vary there if they have them for the second winter and stuff like that so it's um, depending on the system there are lots of uh, 
different variances, but for us, that's that's our split. From a work-life balance point of view and labour point of view, the fact you're working off farm, how do you find contract rearing? Yeah, I think it. I think the system suits as well. Um, insofar as we're, we're pretty well set up with with infrastructure in terms of um, uh, paddocking and that kind of stuff, which which does make a difference. So it's all it's about trying to get maximum value of your your time into it. So you do only have the window in the morning and in the evening. Um, to, to get stuff done. So I think for me, it's all about the, the setup and having things in place to keep the system working uh, well. But from a, a work-life balance, um, we think it fits well. Um, they, as I said, the, the certain times it's busy, so breeding and stuff like that. And like all farms, uh, times where you're, there's heavy contracting going on in terms of slurry or silage, they're, they're busy. But for the most part, um, the system runs well and we try to... Uh, balance it as best we can we're lucky that the all the land is around the house so there's no traveling in in that regard so that's a that's a bonus and something we're aware of but the 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 children love the farm too which helps (laughs) so it's not always a a battle that you're out there without them that they're there with you and that there's a support and that's a that's a big help too when you're at something part-time most definitely of great help you're also involved in a contract rearing discussion group how beneficial is this to you yeah, the contract rearing uh, group, I, I find it very good um, when we meet up for, for a lot of reasons. I, I guess when we started out uh, nine years ago, there was very little uh, support or even awareness of the contract rearing enterprise. So um, I think the discussion group is is a great resource to have. Um, it's, it's nice meeting up with, I suppose, uh, guys and girls in the same in the same situation as yourself because prior to this if you, if you were doing if you're in discussion groups they were t- typically dairy or beef and we don't really fit in either of those categories so it's great to have uh to be talking to uh, discussions and topics that sort of suit us that they were all got in, in common um and again every day you go out you learn something um it's it's, it's good to see some of the other guys in the group and what they're doing in terms of where you can improve and areas you feel you're, you're doing well in. Um, and that typically comes when we're discussing stuff like uh, what you mentioned earlier on, silage quality or, or soil fertility, stuff like that. You can see stuff in action on the ground. Um, it's also a good resource just to reach out and ask questions, um, to, uh, particularly if there's some newer people in the group that that resource is there. Um, and then there's the there's some work ongoing work with Ballyhays as well. So it's always great to get um, their insight into what's going on in terms of driving performance and what can be achieved and can't be achieved. So I think it's a, it's definitely a, a positive thing and it, it's great to, to have one in the, in, in the area. Again, a lot of the farmers in the group are based in the Northwest. So similar uh, soil types and uh, weather demographics and stuff like that. So it's a, uh, from that point of view, I think it's, it's very valuable. Finally, Kieran, from your experience, contract rearing, what advice would you have for someone considering go on contract rearing? I suppose it's like any uh, any new venture, um, use the information that's out there. I mean, there's a lot of information out there in terms of with yourself, Chagas, as well as other uh, resources. So, and that wasn't the case years ago. So it's good. There's, there's a lot of stuff out there in relation to contracts um, and pitfalls and do's and don'ts that that's, that, that's valuable. Um, I would say it's important to have your, your grassland uh, management uh, up to scratch because that's that's key. You have to to keep the 
the heifers moving, I think to me, that's key for get, achieving your targets in terms of weight gain and stuff like that. Um, so that's important. Like, like any system, understand, know your costs and um, know where uh, you can cut your costs or wh where things are, are expensive. That's important no matter what uh, system you're on. And as always, just uh, if you have the opportunity to talk to people um, that are doing it already, it, it's, it's great to get insight as well as talk to some some dairy farmers that are sending on their heifers and see get it from their side what they're what they're expecting. Um, like anything where there's a relationship involved, it takes uh, it takes a bit of work. Um, and uh, but that's all that's all part of it. But I think it's definitely a rewarding uh, venture to get into in terms of uh, you've got cash flow, which is which is important. Um, so you've got you know what you're getting each month, and it arrives on time, and that's that's a factor it helps you in terms of paying bills and. Uh, running stuff so that's definitely uh, a plus in uh, on the system that's great kieran thanks very much for discussing your system in detail thank you that's all for this week's episode and my thanks to kieran for joining me on the show you can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the beef edge podcast on the chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on apple and google podcasts as well as spotify don't forget to rate review and subscribe so you never miss a show for all other updates from our beef program, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.